All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're doing a movie that I've been wanting to cover for a while now. We are going to be talking about my sixth favorite movie of 2018, A Star is Born. It is now out on VOD and Blu-ray, and uh, we figured by the time we got this episode recorded, um, you know, it had already been out in theaters for a while, and there was no reason to, uh, you know, release it with all the other movies we were trying to get to by the end of the year. We might as well save it for the VOD and Blu-ray release, and that's exactly what we did. So, before we get to the conversation with a brand new co-host, Joe Black, uh, I want to remind you all to please make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It together on your podcast app of choice you can subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, spotify pocket casts tune in radio and a whole bunch of other apps you can also rate and review us on itunes follow us on social media at piecing pod or join our piecing it together a movie discussion group facebook group which by the way is where I met Joe Black. This is the first episode I've done uh, with a co-host who is somebody I met through the group. So, you know, if you're out there listening, if you're in the group, or even just a follower on Twitter or whatever, if you want to be on the show, I would love to hear from you because uh, I'm always looking to get more voices involved with this show. So, let's get into the conversation with Joe about A Star is Born. All right, so today on the show, we are going to be talking about A Star is Born, finally, and uh, I have a new guest co-host with us, uh, Joe Black. Joe, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, as I usually do when I have someone new on the show, I, I you know, like if you do a little introduction, you know, let the people listening know who you are and what it is you do. And also, just real quick before we jump into that, um, I was just thinking about it. You're, I think, the first um, guest co-host we've had that is somebody I didn't know until the Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group uh, existed. And so I think it's uh, kind of oh, cool yeah. that you're, uh, you're uh, guesting here on the show, and I think that's awesome. And I, I hope to have more people from the group. But uh, Joe, if you could kind of tell you know, people who you are. Uh, I am a Florida-born uh, independent filmmaker. I've been living in Los Angeles for... About six years now, I've uh, written and directed 13 feature-length films and, uh, you know, just pursuing the dream, I guess, out here. Um, trying to get better each time and trying to make my mark. And, uh, yeah. That's awesome. That, that's a, that's a yeah. lot of features. That is a lot of feature films. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, a couple I, of them are pretty good. Nice. Nice. Uh, how's, the, how's the one you uh, sent me the link to the other day? I, I'm looking forward to checking that one out. Oh, it's the best. Uh, it's nice. our newest one. It's called a. Uh, it's called Chicks Man, and it's. Um, I made it uh, right after I uh, separated from my wife, or I should say, after I got kicked out, and I was living out of my car <laughs> and saving money on rent. And I figured, hey, chicks, well, I'll man. use that rent money to make a movie, you know. And uh, yeah, we just premiered it about a month ago here in Los Angeles, and uh, got a really good reaction. And based on that, we're getting the ball rolling on financing for our next film. And uh, my my uh, my partner and I, Christina Hepburn, and we just keeping the ball rolling. Beautiful. 
Well, that, so. that's awesome. And I, I love having filmmakers on the show. I've only had a, a couple actual filmmakers on the show before, but, you know, everybody kind of brings a different um, point of view uh, to what it is we here <laughs> and piecing it together. And having a filmmaker definitely uh, brings a, a very specific point of view. And I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a cool thing, you know, so I'm, I'm glad to have you here. Thanks. Yeah, my friends say the same thing, but usually they use the uh, the phrase "buzzkill." It ah. brings a real buzzkill perspective to nice, it. but nice. not the not not for this one. I, yeah. I, I quite like this film. Exactly. Yeah. So. L- luckily, we're starting off with a good one here. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah. on. Well, Stars Born. Uh, yeah, yeah. Stars Born. It's a movie I wanted to cover here on the show a while ago. Um, I I had written my notes and everything, and I actually had an episode planned for it back when it first came out. And uh, unfortunately, the co-host that was supposed to to do it he had to cancel and then he canceled again and then again and then it would just kind of on the back burner and so uh, i'm glad to to finally be talking about it um it, it's a movie yeah when i saw you post about it yeah I, I leapt on the opportunity it's uh i think it's a wonderful film actually and uh i think it's one that i don't want people to forget about you know what yeah. i mean like who haven't caught it yet it's it's really great I agree. Um, I, I just went and saw it again uh, the, when we're filming or when we're recording this. Um, it's back in IMAX theaters this past weekend, and um, it, I mean, it it really it, it works on so many levels, and um, it, it's just uh, it's great. It's one of those movies with so much hype around it, but that actually uh, manages to live up to a lot of that hype. Right. And and it's so interesting how it's, you know, it's an intimate drama, but it really is a movie made for theaters. Like it is a theater experience. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, a friend of mine, uh, he has a, a, a screener, an awards screener, and I've, I've gotten to view it at home and it still works wonderfully at home, but nothing compares to like seeing it like either, you know, in Dolby or in IMAX, like it really is yeah. just a breathtaking movie. Oh yeah, oh. absolutely. The sound, every, everything about it. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to get into more and more of uh, just how much the both of us liked it as we start uh, <laughs> digging into some of these puzzle pieces. Um, so uh, Joe, let's have you go ahead first with your first puzzle piece. Okay. Yeah. I figured I'd go like chronologically with the pieces themselves. Like, you know, like, um, and uh, the first one that came to mind was uh, John Cassavetti's film uh, opening night. Um, okay. It is a yeah. It is. A, I, I, are you familiar with that film? I am not. I've heard of it, but I've I've never seen it. Yeah, he's a he's a personal hero of mine. Uh, he uh, he's an independent filmmaker um, who was a very famous actor, and he would use the money that he made from acting in these movies, like Rosemary's Baby and The Dirty Dozen. Mm-hmm. He would use that money to make his own films with his friends, and he would not only make them himself, but he would distribute them himself. And uh, he was not very appreciated in his time as a director, but now. Uh, kind of almost like Van Gogh. He's very appreciated these oh, days. Sure. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, in the late seventies, he made a film called opening night that starred his wife, uh, Jenna Rollins. And uh, in the film, she plays an actress who is uh, a bit past her prime and she's uh, performing in this play. And uh, uh, on one of the rehearsal nights of the play, uh, a young fan, a 17 year old girl comes to see her and is hit by a car and dies. And uh, Jenna's character, Myrtle, is so distraught by this that she starts to question the play that they're making and whether or not the play that they're making has value. <laughs> and, um, and so she starts trying to push. She's realized she's kind of become commercialized and the play has kind of become commercialized. And she's trying to push it in these last couple nights of rehearsal shows into a place of artistic fulfillment. And um, 
but everyone thinks she's just being a diva. Um, they think that she's just doesn't like the play because she's getting old and she's, you know, which drives her to be being an alcoholic, which, you know, uh, and, um, and I felt that a star is born. Um, and the, all the other versions of the film, because this is actually technically the uh, the fifth version of this movie. There was, right. uh, was at what at what cost Hollywood? Then three different versions of A Star Is Born, right. and they all have this central kind of idea. You know, like a, a a famous star, his star is falling. He meets a woman whose star is rising. He uses what's left of his star to rise her star, but then realizes that his star is completely fallen, gets depressed, and you know, yeah. right? <laughs> but this but this star is born. What is different and what I think is a benefit in every way is that uh, Bradley Cooper's character, while his star is past his prime and not quite what it used to be, that's not what's bothering him. When he meets, when he meets Lady Gaga's character, when he meets Allie, he, he even says to her, everybody has a window of time where people are willing to listen. You know, and, and, and you have to yeah. utilize that window to full effect. And his whole mission in the film after meeting Allie is to make sure that she has the tools and the and the foundation that she needs to stand strong on her own artistic merit and seeing the industry take advantage of her and him not able to communicate to her that that's what's happening that's what kind of drives his alcoholism in the second half of the film yeah which he, is totally different from the earlier versions yeah he even says um, uh, that he feels like he's failing her uh, when he hears like her big pop song and all that stuff yeah, why are you coming around me with an ass like that? Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and again, I actually think that it's subtle differences like that because no version of A Star is Born has ever been like across the board acclaimed. Um, a couple versions have been critically acclaimed but not financially successful, mm-hmm. you know, or, or just completely ignored, you know, whatsoever. And I think, it's, I think it's because it's kind of like a tired, even back when it was, you know, the first iterations of this movie, it was kind of a tired idea, an obvious on-the-nose idea. yeah. And I think that this film, unlike the others, is so beautifully human and honest. Um, and I think that comes from having an actor as your director. Um, you know, somebody who's coming at it completely from a human angle, who like even when you play a villain, you have to understand, you know, you have to identify with that villain in some way, you know, and, and uh, having an understanding of people like that, you get a much more nuanced film. That's um, interesting. Which yeah. is where the richness comes from. Yeah, and even the evil manager character uh, isn't evil. You right. know what I mean? He's just, this is what he does. And so much like Cassavetti's opening night, which was not a success, uh, ironically, um, uh, I do think that it's, um, it is a, a movie about the uphill struggle uh, to have artistic integrity after becoming a celebrity, um, which Cassavetes himself struggled with. He did a famous preview screening of that movie of opening night and the audience went wild for it and they jumped through the roof. And afterward, the producer said, we did it, John. And John said, I failed them. And he said, (laughs) they understood everything on the surface. And he went back and he recut the movie, the last half hour of it and like made it 20 minutes longer. And then it came out and did, did no business, but it was right for the, for the piece, you know? Oh, that's perfect. Um, (laughs) mm -hmm. Nice. Thankfully, Bradley found a way to do that literally like a pop song like like the character valley in the film itself it is a it is a pop film it's a hollywood movie through and through but it is rich with nuance and subtext and purpose absolutely absolutely um all right well you know my first puzzle piece also uh you know you you brought up the uh the 
the original Star is Born formula of, of someone whose star is uh, falling as uh, so there's new stars rising. Uh, my first puzzle piece is just simply a movie about uh, someone whose star is falling. Uh, that is Crazy Heart um, with Jeff Bridges. Mm. Um, which I feel like if, uh, Bradley Cooper's character, uh, hadn't, uh, done what he did, he would eventually basically be, um, <laughs> the Jeff Bridges character in Crazy Heart. You think? Huh? Yeah, I think, I think he would have eventually, um, like if the alcoholism was still there, if we're, we're, we're talking about he did not clean up, um, and mm-hmm. he's just started constantly, um, uh, self-destructing his own career, he he'd end up in that that place of just like, just really just stringing along in life and like not recapturing his glory anymore, and just uh just kind of working his way, working his way through that 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 newly found lower level. And you know, of course, this isn't what happens in a Star Is Born, but I do think um. Uh, a lot of that 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 gristled uh, rocker slash country style. Um, I, I think um, Jeff Bridges did it so well a few years back mm. um, in, in Crazy Heart. I feel like that performance probably, along with just straight up, uh, you know, looking at Sam Elliott. Um, <laughs> but it, I, I feel like his <laughs> performance is a little mix of Sam Elliott and uh, Jeff Bridges in Crazy Heart. Right. Yeah. It's so funny. Uh, Crazy Heart is much like the movie Ali, where mm-hmm. like I remember the performance. I don't remember the film. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That, it's yeah. a very performance movie. I mean, that, that's that, that's what it is. It's just like a, a Jeff Bridges uh, uh, showcase kind of. You know? Yeah. And was that that was the year after um, The Wrestler, uh-huh. right? Absolutely. Yeah, so it, that's a very similar experience for me. It was another one where I remember Mickey Rourke's performance. I don't remember a whole lot about the film. And I I think both those films always struck me as a little defeatist mm-hmm. um, in a way, especially The Wrestler, for God's sake. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and uh, I mean, are we, do, do we do, we can do spoilers on this? Is that, sure, is that a absolutely. thing? Or, oh, yeah. Right, so so Bradley Cooper's death in in a star is born unlike something like the wrestlers it doesn't offer that as a solution to anything mm-hmm. um it doesn't you know what i mean like like you you run the risk with an ending like that where he hangs himself that it, you know that like oh that's what jarred her back into being herself you know what i mean like like you run the risk of that being the message of the movie yeah because like after he hangs himself suddenly she's singing you know more resonant songs again. Her hair is back to brown. She's going by the name, you know, uh, Allie Main. Mm-hmm. But by having that section with Sam Elliott, who you're talking about, the little older, the little wiser, who sees, you know, that he tells her that like this was on him. This is something he did. Now, you know, like look at why he loved you. That's what matters. Right. Not, you know, what I mean, not that he killed himself. Like that was a terrible thing, you know. And and uh, and and watching it this last time, I've seen it. I don't know how many times you've seen it. Um, two for me but i seven for me nice and uh yeah yeah it's it's um it really it really stuck with me and and it's those little it's the little corners that it that it explores that uh, movies like crazy heart kind of i think are painting on with with broader brush strokes mm-hmm. um and i don't necessarily mean that as a criticism to crazy heart because i did like that more than the wrestler i guess I'm, it, it just i don't know why it triggered the wrestler in my head but i look at Movies like that is so defeatist and downbeat. And this movie, Starsborn, is literally a movie about a 
suicidal alcoholic. Right. But it's so right. just bursting with love. Right. And that's like that, that, uh, like the pop song element that you were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is definitely a much more crowd pleasing movie. And by the way, I should mention, um, uh, Normally we go back and forth uh, with the puzzle pieces, but I might as well mention this now. I was going to bring up the wrestler as one of my puzzle oh, pieces. Shit. I'm sorry, <laughs> no, sorry. no, that's totally fine. That happens plenty of times on this show. Um, oh, okay, but, but yeah, no, the the wrestler absolutely. Um, and yeah, again, the the wrestler and Crazy Heart are definitely much more downer type of movies. Mm -hmm. um, but dealing specifically with the Bradley Cooper character, um, you know, we are looking at someone who, I mean, no matter how you read it, they're 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 star, they're they're flaming out, um, they're 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 battling addiction in a way that um, is unfortunately not they're not going to win that battle. I don't I don't see any way that if he hadn't um, done what he did that he, it would have turned around. I think that he was kind of at the end of his rope already, and it was only going to get uh, worse if it continued on. He was going to be in, in a star is born. Yeah, even in a star is born. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I, I do think that his character um, was heading in that direction no matter what. Um, whether he met her or not, whether he didn't do it then or not. I mean, maybe he wouldn't have eventually killed himself, but it would have been bleak that's that's what i'm saying here um yeah yeah you know it's it's interesting um you know i mean part of it is the uh the cassavetti's romantic in me i i i do believe that there um uh i do believe that there's uh there is progress in people and i th i think that i have seen the program um aa i've seen it work oh sure. and i've seen and i've seen i've seen how fragile people are especially after making the decision after really you know i mean i guess they don't mention in the film if he ever went to rehab before they don't mention any time that he's ever tried to be sober before right and um it's a really fragile place like if you notice again with the nuance when ali first meets him at the drag show she's very like she has this kind of <laughs> voice about her because uh -huh. she's like shy and nervous and then by the time he goes to her house for the first time and she's going to go get on the motorcycle with him, she's like talking trash to him in a good way. Like in that, like, you know, trusting, like there's a trust that's built between sure. them. Yeah. When she goes to visit him at rehab, she's back to that kind of <laughs> kind of sound in her yeah. voice, right. And love song, you know, and, the, um, and people, um, they can feel that, you know, uh, um, uh, people in recovery can feel that, that, and it, and it's fragile and it's, it's a tough thing. My wife, um, I don't know how, I mean, she'll never hear this. My wife was a recovering alcoholic. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and w she was uh, two years sober, three years in the program when we met. And we got married. And a month later, a very close friend of hers, uh, who was also in the program, very unexpectedly um, committed suicide. And, um, and my wife kind of um, downward spiraled after that. And our marriage fell apart. And, um, but... And it was tough. Like she, I saw her shut down, you know, I saw the complete breakdown. I saw the, and, and it's, you know, and I was Allie in that way, very fragile around her, very, you know, like, and, and, and it is a condescension and I feel bad for that, but it's one of those things you don't know until you're there. You know sure. what I mean? You don't understand, yeah. but, but, but to her credit, to my wife's credit, um, she did not relapse, mm -hmm. um, to th that I know of that I know of, and this is going back about a year now. Um, 
you know, so I do believe, I do believe that there is a chance for everybody. I don't know for somebody middle-aged like Bradley Cooper's character. Sure. And, and, you know, that I think is more so what I mean. I, I think it's that, mm-hmm. that life's, it's more, it's a combination of the alcoholism with the lifestyle, with the, uh, right. you know, with, with the, um, <clears throat> the life of, of regrets and all the other things that are piled on. Um, and, and the, the feeling that he, especially in that moment, um, that feeling of that he's sabotaging her career, I feel, um, right. you know, that's what he feels, I think. And, um, so it's, it's a lot of things piled on that I think, uh, paints him into that corner of, I don't see him getting better, you know, whereas, uh, you know, definitely, uh, you know, that could work for other people in other situations. Sure. Yeah. You know, Crazy Heart, Jeff Bridges won the Oscar for that, correct? Yeah. And um, the big upset the year that Mickey Rourke was up for the wrestler was that he did not win. Um, Sean Penn won for Milk. Yes. Um, And I remember when I saw the wrestler, I kind of thought, and maybe this is 10 years ago, literally 10 years ago that I saw it. But I remember thinking at the end of the movie, he's going to go wrestle. And if he wrestles again, he's going to have a heart attack and die. That's what everybody told him. And then um, Marissa Tomei shows up. Yeah. And like makes him that last, like, come on, let's go away together. Like, I love you. Like, let's actually do this. And he's like, I got to go to my fans. You know, he does that. And then he (laughs) does his Toro move. And, and I remember very specifically as he leaps in slow motion off the camera fades to black, but the sound just cuts out. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't fade and implying that he had a heart attack mid jump. Sure. Um, And I remember thinking when I saw it, that that was the cop out ending. I was like, that's a cop out. And to me, the more interesting ending from what I remember would be him leaving with Marissa Tomei because on paper, that sounds better. That sounds like a happy ending, right? Mm-hmm. But the nuance of that ending is that she herself is a bit of an addict. She's, you know, they have a volatile relationship. She's, is he turning away from his fans? Is that his legacy? Is his legacy all that he has left? You know, like it actually asks more questions, um, but also implies, implies perseverance. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking that had the film had that ending as opposed to him just leaping and dying, that I think it actually would have inspired uh, inspired people to 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 latch onto it more and to actually like meditate on it more and instead of just calling it what it was, it was just a very well made movie. You know sure. what I mean? I, I wonder if it would have resonated with audiences, kind of like what a Star Is Born is doing. That's interesting. Um, that it's it's like a. Uh a fake out happy ending uh, for an actually kind of darker and ending. Um, if you think yeah. about it. Yeah. That's interesting. But not to use a cliche, but like left up to your imagination, you sure. know, what is your perspective? Because truth is what is truth. Truth is your perspective. Yeah. You know, and, um, and making a definitive ending of death. Well, that's one thing, but mm-hmm. like leaving this, I don't want to say open-ended, but like uh, turning a new corner. You know what I mean? Um, sure. I think is a much more exciting ending kind of like Allie in a star is born. Like we don't know where her career is going to go. All we know is that her hair is Brown and she has a last name now. Uh, she did. She ends it on a pretty yeah. good performance though. I mean, that's probably, oh, probably, I mean, probably good. Well, it's, like, <laughs> it's Lady Gaga. So, I mean, it's going to be a good performance. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, right. Okay. On, what, what, what is your next puzzle piece? My next puzzle piece again, going chronologically would be walk the line. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Johnny Cash film with Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I mean, other than the obvious reasons, you know, musician couple, you know, on tour. uh, I think that the film 
also deals very openly and honestly with um, with addiction and not only addiction, but the public's perception of of you. So like, it's so funny that Johnny Cash himself is like this drug addict, alcoholic, you know, uh, cheater, cheating on his wife, cheating on his family, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the one who's coming under more scrutiny is Reese Witherspoon right. for having more than one husband, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and, uh, and the film is non-judgmental in either way. Like it doesn't say you should like Johnny Cash or you should like June Carter, or you should hate Johnny Cash. Or, you know what I mean? It's non-judgmental. Right. It's just very open and honest. And I think that the only two people that can understand their connection is, are June and Johnny. And I speak of June and Johnny in the film. And um, I found that interesting in A Star is Born that um, here's Jackson Maine who is people know about his alcohol problems. Like they would say, didn't I hear he has an alcohol problem, you know, and he's literally pissing himself on stage and people still really love him and they treat it just kind of like, well, that's the rock star life, you know, like that's just what they do. And so it's this passive kind of flippant kind of attitude. Right. But then Allie is up there and she becomes explicitly sexual with her act. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like she's literally up there like grinding and saying, you know, talking about dancing around me with an ass like that, you know, like, and how interesting it was for me comparing her to June Carter, who, you know, just because she had had more than one husband suddenly was an awful non-Christian woman that was coming under scrutiny that, you know what I mean? And like Johnny was the one who didn't judge her. You know what I mean? Which is kind of why she gravitates toward him in that film. And this one, I just find it interesting with the time difference of, you know, 60 years between the two of them, theoretically, these two stories, like seeing how the public's perception has changed um, of things like drugs and drug addiction and, you know, sex and women's sexuality. Um, Yeah, the the difference uh, between men and women, uh, between how men and women are portrayed in the media is it's still kind of the same thing. Right, yeah. right. And how funny that like his alcoholism and his drug addiction in the film are portrayed him as cool and creates his mystique and her overtly sexual act is kind of what portrays her as desirable. And yet those are the two qualities about each other that are keeping them apart. Right. Like on a human level, like his alcoholism makes it hard for her to attach and her over sexualizing herself because she's afraid of her own body image. Like that's what he doesn't, you know, that in that, in that funny, isn't that cool? Right. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's absolutely interesting, and I, I, it's it's cool that you uh, frame that in in with walk the line. Um, I because I wouldn't have thought about it in that way, but that that's really cool that um, uh, to look at it that way. That walk the line kind of uh, had those kind of um, I'm trying to think of the right word for it, but basically where you can look at it and see the way that the, the, the man and the woman are portrayed differently. Um, and, and, and how the, how the public reacts to the things that they do and how the, there's that thing there in walk the line that is in a star is born that, that it's there as well. And uh, yeah, it's not, I mean, it's certainly not fair to, uh, <laughs> to, to the females. Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I, I personally don't think it's fair to either of them. You know what I mean? That's like, true. Like, That's true. Yeah, like, like I, I think that like um, there is a benefit to allowing women to express their sexuality more. I think that that's a good thing. Um, I think that just like anything else, though, any good idea, um, the big machine, the industry will find a way to commodify it. And yeah. by com- to commodify something, you have to exploit it. Yeah. And when you exploit something, you dehumanize it. <laughs> and um, 
yeah. And how do you, how do you, when you're both involved in the industry and both being exploited for something about yourself, how do you, how do you connect <laughs> on a human level versus back in walk the line where it was, people were trying to keep that hush hush. And because they had to keep that, that those desires and those parts of them hush hush, that was keeping their disconnect. Absolutely. Um, that's I just love Walk the Line too. It's one of my top ten movies. Nice. Um, I haven't seen it in a Joaquin, long time. It, it was great. Though. Oh man, yeah. That ending when they're on stage and he's like, "I want you to marry me, June," like in front of everybody. <laughs> you know? I know that I said things and I hurt you, but I promise to never say and do those things again. I only <laughs> want to take care of you. So good. <laughs> You're my great. best friend. That's marry great. me. <laughs> um, I jumped the gun on your wrestler one. So do you want to do another one, or should I play catch up to get us back on the rhythm? It's up to you. Hey, why? Uh, I have what? four. Okay. Um, you know what? That's actually a good setup for my next one. So I, I'm going to go with my next one, Groovy. um, which is not a movie. Um, and it, it may be as the fans of piecing it together may look at it as a little cheat, but um, it's Lady Gaga's mm. actual career. Um, which okay. yeah, I think we obviously we've got the a Star Is Born formula, but Bradley Cooper pretty clearly took bits and pieces of Lady Gaga's, uh, her career trajectory and, and filter mm. them into this story, this version of the story, the, uh, you know, being discovered, uh, you know, singing in, uh, you know, gay bars and, uh, and, uh, the, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, I know that I, I heard a, uh, behind the scenes thing that the first time he saw her performing live was singing La Vie en Rose. And how it just blew him away, and so he obviously like kind of wrote that right into the story, um, and, and then a, a lot of the other things about her rise, the, uh, the performances, the way the direction her music went, even with this uh, just total raw talent, um, but starting out with a lot of like these you know more dancey pop songs before going into uh, you know bigger shows of of what she's capable of. Um, and I've, you know, been a fan of hers for a long time. At, at first, I resisted her for a little bit um, when she first came out. Mm. But from, yeah, from uh, really from that, what was it? The not the Fame was the first album, but then she put out the EP, The Fame Monster. From there, I was already, I was, I was on board. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So it didn't take, you know, didn't take long for me. Let's put it that way. I, um, I had actually seen her perform back when she was just Stephanie Germanata oh, and wow. it was in one ear out the other, she did a song called Hollywood that mm -hmm. I never forgot the hook for that. But in 2009, uh, I had just, uh, separated from, uh, my fiance, a different woman. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I, uh, had moved into this apartment and one day I discovered there was a cable sticking out of the wall. And I was like, I wonder if I have cable, if I hook this up to my TV and sure enough, I did. <laughs> and, um, I was flipping channels and the 2009 VMAs came on and she did a performance of paparazzi mm -hmm. um, that is now infamous, legendary. And I'm, I, uh, I had heard paparazzi on the radio and again, in one ear out the other, but hearing it when she performed it, she actually sang it operatically and it was orchestrated. It wasn't, you know, uh, electronic music. It wasn't, and like her musicianship and her artistry. And then halfway through, she like, puts her leg up on a piano and her eyes were rolling in the back of her head as she just jammed on this piano. And it just, it just blew me away. And I immediately, you know, uh, sought out her music and I became a, an absolute devotee. And then, um, when art pop came out in 2013, mm. I was searching for that answer in myself because being a filmmaker, I didn't want to make films. I didn't want to make like the, uh, 
the Lars von Trier or the Darren Aronofsky kind of, I wanted to make movies, uh -huh. but I also looked at myself as an artist and I wanted to do things with purpose and reason. And how do you do that? How do you create these things? And uh, I was struggling to find that answer. And then lo and behold, here comes Lady Gaga's album, Art Pop. Right. And um, that's literally the philosophy of the album. In the song Art Pop, she, she has all these beautiful metaphors, you know, lover's kites flown on beaches in public site, the color palette you choose can profit you. Basically the idea, her whole philosophy was explained to me that what you create should be specific and unique to you from your perspective and should be made with purpose, but should also be made for everyone. You shouldn't alienate people with what you do because you should invite people into your thought process. Mm -hmm. Even if they don't understand that they're thinking, at least they're still dancing. And um, I love that philosophy so much. I actually have art pop tattooed on my arm. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm a huge, uh, huge Lady Gaga fan, actually. Um, and um, I actually have some inside info into one of the her uh, producers uh, or one of the people who engineers on her music. And they actually, she has been fighting for the last few years specifically to steer away from the dance house pop sound. And they're kind of holding her back. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but they are there. They're, he, this person was expressing to me his frustration. He's like, yeah, she keeps trying to do her as he puts it her kind of stuff. And we're telling her, <laughs> you've got to do the dance stuff. They've got to. So like that struggle she's coming at in the film is real. Yeah. And, the fact that she does that while still being respectful, like she really does love her backup dancers and she's very affectionate toward them. And there's no condescension to the, there's actually no condescension to the business itself as much as there is a caution to, if you're not as a person as on as a solid foundation as you need to be, then you'll collapse under it. Kind of like Whitney Houston did. And I think that Lady Gaga did, like you're saying in her career did face that when she made her first couple albums there they were these dancier kind of hits but even starting on born this way she started steering more in that direction of you know wanting to do more yeah absolutely. and she's been she's been fighting with that struggle ever since it's actually funny i don't know if this is too much maybe you can edit this part out if it's too long but um that film i talked about opening night the first puzzle piece mm -hmm. cassavetti's his wife um his his wife jenna rollins who was the star of the film i actually delivered a sandwich to her um <laughs> three years ago and i have her character name from that movie tattooed on the other side of that same arm that has our pop her character myrtle gordon nice and um i actually recently got to um i got to film jenna rollins is a very famous actress you do you know jenna rollins she's yeah, um i certainly know of her yeah, you know i i, I yeah the I'm notebook sure skeleton key and yeah yeah, yeah. She um she's 88 years old and uh she just did her final uh role. Uh, it's supposedly going to be her final acting role. And um she I I I got to direct it. Wow. I was requested to direct it and I I based on my last couple films and I I directed Jenna Rollins in her uh final performance here, but even cooler than that, um her next door neighbor as it turns out, I found out the day that I was filming is Lady Gaga. <laughs> that, that must have been uh, quite a, uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I, said to her, I said to her assistant, uh, I said to her, I was like, hey, when she told me, she, she was like, yeah, it's Lady Gaga. And I was like, I said, are you fucking with me? And she was like, why would that be fucking with you? I was like, have you seen the other side of my arm? Like, what are you talking? <laughs> I'm wearing a Lady Gaga t-shirt right now. <laughs> that is crazy. Uh, 
did you just sit in your car mm-hmm. when you were done shooting? Um, <laughs> uh, no, no, but I, I, you know, well, apparently Frank Zappa used to live there too. So it's, oh, wow. it must be a cool house. Yeah, um, seriously. It, well, her career being your puzzle piece actually feeds into what was going to be my last puzzle piece chronologically, but Hey, I'll bring it in now. It was sure. very specifically her 2011 VMA performance in uh, 2011. She was asked to be the host of the, uh, of the VMAs. Um, I don't know if you saw this performance, but it's, um, I'm pretty sure she, I it's did. A, yeah, it was pretty, she came out her opening monologue. She came out as a man, mm-hmm. um, an alter ego, a greaser alter ego named Joe Calderon. Yeah. Um, who was quote unquote, Lady Gaga's boyfriend. Right. <laughs> and that whole thing was Joe Calderon's frustration with the fact that Lady Gaga was unable to be real with with him, like that, um, like that, like no matter how close they got, no matter how intimate, she was always performing, and how he didn't understand why she didn't trust him. And um, I mean, it's a really intense performance, and it's funny to think that that was the opening to the VMAs. Right. You know, they like cut like with Lady Gaga up there, like as Joe saying lines. I mean, this kind of graphic, but she said it. She says she's like talking about like uh, she says, and when she comes, it's like she can't even look me in the eye. Like she can't be real for one minute. And she says, Joe, I'm not real. I'm theater. <laughs> um, like saying things like that at the beginning of the VMAs and cutting to like Puff Daddy in the crowd, just like, huh? Yeah, and right? like like Justin Bieber in the crowd, like, what's going on? And Katy Perry, like, oh my gosh, even you know, and um, and that was very profound for me because like uh, I don't want to say that I'm I'm very critical of of modern pop music, um, pop music being my favorite genre of music next to disco, mm-hmm. but because I feel like. It's kind of my problem with all media right now is that they're too busy creating sensations instead of creating legends, you know, and, um, you know, yeah, Adele can sing great, but like, that's her job. Her job is to be a good singer. That should be part one. Yeah. You know, and her content though, her content, I don't think is very beneficial to people. I think it's sociopathic. I think it is, uh, stalled in its development emotional right. development yeah. same thing with taylor swift same thing with Katy perry and then a lot of other pop but at least they're 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 they can sing at least they have you know a lot of actual music in their music but then you've got people like ariana grande which is this kind of like you know drum beat with a snap sound you know what i mean right. and like um lady gaga is one of the few artists that for better or worse there's actual content there um, it's actual artistry, it's actual expression and it's ever growing. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of musicians today, look at Eminem. He's been rapping for 25 years about how Kim doesn't love him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, get over it, dude. Like <laughs> you're a quarter century older. And so Lady Gaga being surrounded in this environment that where you don't have to, and that's not, I don't want to discredit like the, 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 um, talent of somebody like Adele, um, uh, but like to be surrounded by people who don't incur- encourage you to be your best or to progress or move forward, like to not be surrounded by that is, is death to an artist. Right. And, um, and I think that Bradley Cooper's character in star is born understands that. Yeah, exactly. And that's all he's trying to facilitate. That's and, his um, whole message. That's what he's, uh, there for that. That's what he's 
there to teach her. He says talent is everywhere. Everyone in this room has talent, but having something to say and having a way to say it that people want to hear, that's the difference. Yep. And, um, you know, A Star is Born has that awful cliche scene. And I say awful cliche, meaning as a generic trope where like she sang him something in the parking lot. Then he like surprises her on stage and he's like done a full arrangement of it. And they sing this song and it's perfect. <laughs> you know, like Eddie and the cruisers on the dark side, you know, something silly like that. But this movie, I believed it. You know, yeah. I believed that I was like, yeah, okay, why do I believe this? So when I see it the second time, I'm going, all right, why do I believe this scene? And then I realized when she's singing in the parking lot, man, he'll never forget that song. Right. He could be a hundred years old, brain swimming in alcohol, and you'll never forget that because he's just, it's not even, it's, he's not in love with her. He just, he, he loves and admires her so right. already. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it, it, it's um, a whirlwind of a night, and that and that it makes for great cinema too. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. um, that night that we've all had, but wish we could have again. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you brought that. I know up, that when um, the uh, mm-hmm. the uh, the fact that he had already written the arrangement the next day, I, I find that so funny too, because like as a musician. Like it, it's so far fetched, but at the same time, it's like it's so it works so well that you just you, you just roll with it. You know what I mean? You just you don't. Yeah. You well, don't I mind. mean, he's a musician who's like you know he's obviously a good writer himself in it, and he's been doing this for you know twenty twenty five years at this point, and like it is pop music. So and he's so distracted that day when Sam Elliott's like, you need to put in your earbuds. You know, yeah. he's like, I'm, you know, he's distracted by something, and what it is is he's trying to arrange this new fucking song. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, because when inspiration hits you, especially if you're an artist who's just been playing the hits for the last 10 years, you know, like when it hits you, you like you can't help but get excited and run with it. Oh, you know? sure. Um, and like like that eagerness to get something started, like when he sees her perform La Vie en Rose, that look on his face, man. I've had that look before. I have a friend of mine. She, you know, we had known each other a while, like a couple months or so. And she was a comedian. And then she got up to sing one night, you know, this open mic thing. And I was like mode over and somebody called me out in the audience they're like oh he's feeling it and i was so embarrassed <laughs> but but like as soon as as soon as i heard her sing that's when i was like okay so when do we start creating right like when like tomorrow are you free tomorrow <laughs> you know and then like a week later we we were filming a feature film we nice. improvised this whole feature film over a weekend for 300 bucks with four friends because i had to get her out there like i had to and the fact that like she made so much sense to me and I just loved what she had to say. We were able to improvise a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. we were able. So like I, I bought it in a star is born, man. That's a. <laughs> That's fantastic. But, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think it's, I think it's your turn now for puzzle piece. Cause I worked in my 2011 VMA performance. And, there. I, and that was a very good one. Um, <laughs> my, oh. my next one, uh, I'm going to take it to another music movie. Um, this Great. one is once. Um, which mm. it, it kind of follows a little bit of a similar uh, story to the the whole Stars Born formula, um, and mm-hmm. it, with the with uh, Glenn Hansard, I believe his name is from the Swell season, and uh, I'm not even going to try to say the girl's name because there's no way I'll pronounce it properly. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no. It, 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 it another reason though that I I wanted to bring up once is because 
not only does it have that Star is Born type of formula, and it's pretty recent, so I mean, it, it was quite a big hit when it, when it came out. It was like, I remember like at the Oscars, it was kind of like that the little movie that could kind of thing, you know? Um, people were mm-hmm. really rooting for it and everything. But another reason is because the soundtrack is fucking fantastic. And, mm-hmm. and uh, in the way that A Star is Born is, we're, you know, we're not talking about like Walk the Line with these are already proven great songs and, you know, other uh, other classic you know music movies where it's like you know they're 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 singing the songs that we all know. I mean these are original songs and they're fantastic. Right. You know I've I've been yeah. I've been listening to the soundtrack uh, all year long since it's came out. Um, and uh, I was a similar way for once when it came out. I believe that was I want to say two thousand eight. Eight was it? Okay. Or late 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 two thousand seven actually. Okay. Yeah. Um. Two thousand seven. Yeah. No wait. Oh six, maybe. Oh wow! I just remembered that the the main song from Once, the "Take This Boat," that yeah. one, um, that song was also used the same year in another film with Rada Mitchell and Morgan Freeman called "Fool for Love." Really? Or I think that's what it was called. Yeah, yeah, that song was used at the uh, at this as the centerpiece for and I and when I saw that I was like, whoa, wait, is that song not original? Right, you know what I mean? Like I thought, like like like, and I looked up, no, it was. I just used it the same year. That's funny. like it was. They were they was that good. They like, put it in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, they they have gone on to do quite a few songs that like you know the albums don't quite do that well, but the songs get make plenty sure. of money in TV and stuff like that. Uh, they're 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 a big band when it comes to that kind of music. And uh, so, yeah, that doesn't surprise me that it would like they scooped it up right away to uh, license it for some more movies. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. You talk about the music, too, being detrimental to something. It's like um, the, the Star is Born with Barbara Streisand. The biggest problem with that film, of which there are many, yeah, right. is, um, is the music is awful. Right. Like, and, and it's because it was a Broadway show tune you know, songwriter and singer trying to pretend to become a pop sensation or worse than that, a rock and roll sensation. (laughs) And, um, it's just so inauthentic. Um, there's another film. I don't know if you know this movie. Um, I just heard about it recently called paycheck with, um, rip torn Hmm. from the early seventies. I think it's called paycheck. It might be called payday. I think it's called paycheck, but he plays a country singer, you know, early seventies country singer, country Western singer. And the song at the beginning. Yeah, I know (laughs) he's a bastard in this movie. He's a (laughs) bastard in this. It's so crazy. But, um, my buddy recommended it to me because I'm actually, I've been working for a while on doing a country Western movie called dumb lucky. And he recommended it to me and I tried watching it, but the, the song, the opening song, I just didn't believe it. I didn't believe that that was a country Western song. I didn't believe that it was a hit. You know, it's Rip Torn performing the song in a bar, you know, yeah. with his band. And I was like, I don't buy it. Um, and that, that you check out immediately. Right. When, right. when, when that inauthenticity shows. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean that actually, um, you know, and don't get me wrong. Lady Gaga is fantastic in this. Her voice is better than ever. Mm. And the songs that she sings are great. But I mean, that goes, uh, you know, it's still, Bradley Cooper put in such work to be able to really come off. I mean, hell, I'd fucking see him live. Like, like he did like, perform it live. Like yeah. that's the whole big thing that yeah. they like. He rented out stages at like Coachella and yeah. shit like that to like 
I would have loved movie. to be at that show. Like, you know what I mean? I would have shit myself. Yeah. That would have been like, I would have been like, what? <laughs> like, like if like I go to Coachella and Gaga and Bradley Cooper come out on stage, I would be like, huh? Excuse me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, he's, he's a talented that, dude. That, that's what it comes down to. Um, there, there was a rumor he learned that how to play guitar for the movie. Yeah, he stuff, did. Right? He, like, le- he it... learned to play. He sang, he co-wrote some of the songs. Um, yeah. It, you know, and see, that's the thing, man. That that's the thing. Like that stupid, Awful. Oh, I shouldn't. Well, I'll own it. La La Land. So bad. <laughs> and um, Ryan Gosling. I remember there's that shot at the beginning when he's playing the piano and the camera like goes to his hands and like his hands are just playing this piano piece so well. And I remember seeing it thinking, well, like uh, the way they shot it, obviously they had a hand double, you know, digitally, you know, put it all to, you know, put it together. And then I was reading after he really learned how to play piano. Isn't that amazing? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's impressive. Two things. One, who cares? Secondly, his performance like wasn't good. So what if he could play the piano? It doesn't matter if his performance isn't convincing. Right, right. You know, and and Bradley Cooper, when he comes out that very first scene where he's, you know, shredding, you're just like, wow, yeah. like that's impressive. Oh yeah. And then immediately we get into him acting. Yeah. And as good as I've I think Bradley Cooper's a very good actor. Um I've I've enjoyed his whole body of work, save for the first hangover hangover movie <laughs> and wedding crashers other than those two i love the guy and um but like his performance in this blew me away i think the only thing better than his directing is his performance right um same thing with her Uh, again i'm a big fan i'm not an apologist though you know what i mean so like like i did not care for her last couple albums joanne and then the tony bennett one you Mm -hmm. know um, and her performances while i i like them i've never seen american horror story but Mm -hmm. but uh you're looking at things like Machete and Sin City, David Cafford and her Muppets special and her, you know, the best thing I had seen her in at this point was her Saturday Night Live um, hosting gig. And she right. she showed a lot of range in that. And so I went into it expecting her to be good in the movie. I knew she'd be good. Yeah. I fully believe in her as an artist. But I was so surprised at the kind of performance she gave. Yeah. This very nuanced, understated, never once was there an urge to show off in any way. There's no flash to this movie, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and I think they both should. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this movie is the first movie in a long time to sweep the, that top, that sweet top five, the picture director actor actor screenplay like i think that it really earned it it's funny you say that Um, i've been thinking about that a lot lately because you know obviously all the the critics uh awards are starting to come out and then uh the globes nominations just came out the uh critics choice nominations just came out and you know there are some movies that i i mean i i loved this movie but there are some movies i liked better i can't quite picture anything else beating this um, like, and I, I, I would, I, I would I'm, not be mad whatsoever if this is the winner of those top five things, you know, I, I, sure. would, I would love it. Um, and I can't picture anything else winning. Like, it's crazy. Like it really, I actually it's, think, it's year, I think, you know, I, I think that black Panther is going to be the, the, uh, surprise, uh, champion at the Oscars. But I think that in a negative way, I didn't think that that was a particularly great film. I thought it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little more cynical when it comes to the uh, conspiracies around uh, the industry. Yeah. I'm very vocal about it. In fact, my next film is about that. It's about uh, Hollywood conspiracies leading to the assassination of a president. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, we're looking at these lists now that are coming out of everybody's top movies of the years. And I saw the AFI's top 10 of the year and it was like, it was black Panther, black Klansman, the hate you give, 
um, if uh, Beale Street, um, Green uh, Green Book, mm-hmm. it was all angled toward uh, black cinema. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this new, like this new, and which is look, you know, I'm very happy to see diversity. I'm very happy to see um, new voices and new perspectives. I'm that's I think that's great. Yeah, but it is very obviously the fact that that takes up two thirds of the top 10 of the year for people, it goes to show that a zeitgeist is happening rather than an actual movement anymore. Um, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and funny enough, a star is born in, in eighth grade or like the other two right, movies, right. you know what I mean? Like, like, um, and I, and I just, I worry, I worry that like, we we get caught up in these zeitgeists and the way that history is written now is through is through media mm-hmm. you know and um and i would just hate to see the media's kind of like i don't know perspective sh- uh, uh affect how these great films that have come out this year are being portrayed right. you know what i mean like like and again i don't want to I, I worry that makes me sound like a racist or something <laughs> like like that's not cuz i you know, I'm very much so looking forward to Beale Street. Um, oh, I know, me but, too. But, but, but it just there's. I think that um, Black Panther has the uh, is going to be the 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 one that they're going to be gunning for as as best picture at the Oscars this year. As it's ten years since The Dark Knight was snubbed, right, right. And um, and what better way for the Academy to finally win everybody back <laughs> than by you know finally giving a superhero movie. A Marvel movie, the one that you all love, and it just so happens to fit with the, uh, you know, with the current zeitgeist right. of, of of black cinema. And I, you know, what I worry about is so. is if they do that and people still don't give a shit about the Oscars. You know, what do they do next year? Do they just swing all the way back and like you know just award some stuffy you know royalty drama thing like you know just all white ridiculous kind of movie that used to be the big winner all the time i wonder because like yeah because like like you know two years ago they're like well we gave you moonlight and then last year there was the same thing shape of water which was another film i was not very i was i was not on board with that movie because i found it to be kind of primitive in its thought that like we're still comparing minorities to fish monsters that we want to have sex with um i found that offensive but like again, it's still this idea of like that kind of social movement. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like so, like you get like the art house crowd back one year with Moonlight. Then you get the fanboys back, the internet fanboys, because everybody on the internet loves Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, you get them back with with Shape of Water. So it almost makes sense for the perfect trifecta. Then you get the mass audience back with Black Panther. Yeah, you know, and now we have everyone watching the Oscars again. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they know what they're doing, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, sorry, that was a, that was a total non-Star is Born. Uh, hey, uh, good luck, Star is Born. I, you got my vote. <laughs> I enjoyed. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. What's your okay. uh, What's your next puzzle piece? It's my last one that I have okay. uh, prepared, um, which is uh, a very underrated film. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow's Country Strong, okay. um, which was uh, 2010 or 2009. Sorry. Um, uh, I don't know if you've seen the film. I have. have. You? I, I actually completely forgot about that movie. Uh, I, Interesting. I'm sure I saw it back when it came out, though. I remember it. Roger Ebert, um, R.I.P. Roger Ebert, uh, I think, said it best when he said that a country strong would be the best picture winner in 1956. And I mean <laughs> that in the best way possible. 
Um, That's great. I avoided that. I'm from the South. I'm from, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida, the tip of the Bible belt, right on the Georgia line. Um, and, uh, uh, so when I was living there, when that movie came out and there's nothing I hated more than modern country music, you know? And like, so then I see this trailer for this and I was just like, Oh God, you know, like avoided it like the plague. And then one day my girlfriend's mom had like rented it and we came over to her house and she was watching it and it had just started. And I thought that it was halfway through the movie. Like it had literally been on for two minutes. Like the end credits had just finished and I thought we were halfway through the movie because of where they were at narratively with the story. And um, when it was over, I was like, that's a long movie. Can I watch the first half? She's like, what half? And I was like, what? Um, uh, and what blew me away about the film was that it was a movie that was marketed to rednecks, to you know that audience, the Garth Brooks audience, right? Um, but it was more nuanced than that. It wasn't as simple as like, because uh, the basic story, she is a recovering alcoholic who, you know, is, gets out of rehab. And um, she believes her husband is having, her star is falling and she believes her husband is having an affair with this young up and coming uh, singer and um, played by Leighton Meester. And then she, her, her um, one of her nurses at her rehab clinic is Garrett Hedlund and he's an aspiring country music star, but she's started having an affair with him in retaliation to her husband. And so she has him come on the road with them, but it turns out he has a history with the young pop star and they're kind of falling in love with oh, fighting it, boy. which drives Gwyneth Valtteri more crazy. Um, <laughs> it's very convoluted, but, but it's not what you would expect because her husband is not having an affair. And because like, her depression is actually what's causing the rift and, and like her not, her not dealing with that. And like, you know, it, like it was too nuanced for the audience that it was marketed to. Um, and I don't mean that as a condescension to the audience that it was marketed to the audience that was marketed to are the kind of people who like to go to a movie to quote unquote, escape from their day to day life. Right. Yeah. And hear good songs, see pretty stars, watch a, a fun drama. Like, and that is totally valid. And I think it's great. And I think it's wonderful. And I think we do need more films like that made with integrity. Right. But this one wasn't that movie. Right. <laughs> it was a, a very nuanced, strange narrative that is full of complex human, you know, uh, error and um, has a very ambiguous ending. And, and uh, it just didn't land. So the audience, I think, that would have appreciated that kind of movie was turned off by the overt advertisement to the country music audience. Right, right. And the country music audience didn't appreciate it, you know which was one of my big fears about a star is born. I was worried when I saw the trailers that it was going to be this cliched ridden, you know, whatever. And then I saw the first trailer and I went, mm, it's a good song. Yeah. <laughs> <You right? know? laughs> um, and uh, unlike, you know, the country strong song, I'm country strong. This song's so bad. <laughs> but, um, but then you see the real song in country strong is wonderful. Timing is everything. If you guys haven't heard it, download it. Timing is everything. It's phenomenal. It's more bluegrass in country Western than modern country. Right on. But, um, but this movie, I think, uh, A Star is Born, managed to do what Country Strong was trying to do. Um, and I think that comes from, again, having an actor direct the film. Sure. Um, and him almost, I mean, it's, it, there's the rumor that he ghost directed American Sniper. 
um, which I would believe because it wasn't a completely abysmal late era Clint Eastwood movie. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I hated it personally on like a like a moral and fundamental level, but sure. the craftsmanship was fine. Exactly. Um, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but uh, I talk bad on Clint, but I got to be honest. I do want to see the mule. Yeah. Um, Every, but, everybody uh, wants to see the like, mule. I mean, come on. <laughs> it looks good, right? Yeah. It made me go back and rewatch Gran Torino, and I actually liked it now. I didn't like it back then. I liked it. Um, but uh, I'll be damned if I'll ever be converted into a Clint Eastwood fan. Um, but uh, but Bradley, I think, coming from that, I mean, like, you know, working with Clint Eastwood, and, like, he's such an economic filmmaker, um, I think that Bradley Cooper understood the idea of economic storytelling and sharing the story. Right. And that like being an actor, I mean, you see when he asks that question of Sean Penn, have you ever seen that the inside the actor studio with him? Oh, from like, yeah. From uh, like really early on. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 He wants to understand. He doesn't want to show people what a character is all about. He wants to understand so that he can better embody it. And um, I feel very grateful as a consumer and as an artist to have an artist like that working in the industry yeah. on, on the A-list level. I think that of all the A-list actors, he's kind of one of the best. Um, I'm not a Leo fan. I'm not a Brad Pitt fan. And I don't think that they're necessarily bad actors, but I think they don't go beyond being actors. Um, and I think Bradley Cooper has proven it to me, if you ask me, that he knows he's human. He's a human. Yeah. Yeah. And he hasn't lost that touch with humanity in all the gloss and, and pop. Well, I'm always rooting oh. for uh, Bradley Cooper because uh, I don't know. Are you familiar with the Stella shorts? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. So I, of the, course. those are my apps. I had the DVD of them that like they sold only at their shows um, back yeah. back in like 2003. The I devil. believe. Yep, where he's the devil. Uh, we yep. we watched <laughs> that DVD almost every night, like through my 20s while we were drunk. You know. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, well, and you I know what a perfect so like. Much, so <laughs> his his big break into Hollywood was Wet Hot American Summer was yep. his first movie, and in that movie, he 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 has a gay sex scene. You know what I, I mean? Know. And here he is like this guy trying to be the next Leo Brad Pitt. And that's, he's like, Hey, I'm here taking it up the ass. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, and like, and like knowing that that's not making fun of gay people, that it's, that's not where the joke is. Yep. The joke is in the over dramatization of <laughs> forbidden love in film, no matter what that forbid, you know what I mean? Like so good. It's so good. Well, you know, before I move on to my final puzzle piece, I also wanted to mention yep. uh, you were talking in Country Strong about country music and and about the music uh, in the movie and in the trailer. Uh, Jason Isbell is one of my favorite artists, and he wrote "Maybe It's Time," um, which really, yeah, which is uh, such a great song. I was I was so hoping that he had written more um, for for the movie. I was a little disappointed when I found out it was just the one song, but uh, but yeah, I mean, what a great song. He. He wrote that song, Teach Me How to Forget, right? Uh -huh. That's him? Yep, absolutely. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow, I did not know that. I love him so much. He's wow, one, that, one song, that song that song, saved my life. Wow. Like, it's, it's one of those, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that, that line, it's so funny. Whoa. Because uh, now you got my mind percolating here. Because, <laughs> like, cause like uh, uh, that song, the line where he says, now that I found someone who makes me want to live, does that make my leaving harder to forgive. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, 
the, the I just talked about Wet Hot American Summer and how I can't watch it anymore because that is the best day of my life. Well, the best day of my life involved watching that film and cooking with this woman who I was very madly in love with. It, like, it just like meant more to me than anyone in the world. And I had been with this other girl for about five years and we had kind of fallen apart because I fell in love with someone else. We were long distance and I fell in love with this woman. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I was so, I like, I, it, I was so guilt ridden because I had fallen in love with somebody else, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. and, uh, and, and when my, my, my girlfriend had finally moved out here, cause we were separated for like two years, long distance while she was finishing school and she finally moved out here. I tried to, you know, like steer away from this other woman that I'd fallen in love with. And I, and, and I just couldn't, and it hurt, it crushed that girl. And I felt so awful about it. And I, and it drove me apart from the other girl, the one I'd fallen in love with. Like right, I couldn't right. commit to that. And like, and then about three months later, that song came out, <laughs> uh, or I heard it rather. And, um, I sent it to my ex. I sent it to her. I was like, I, this is what I was, I'm so sorry. And she never responded to it. I've never heard from her since. And then, <laughs> wow. And here it is in a star is born. Oh, yep. so, man. <laughs> wow. That's oh, crazy. Life, man. That's so fucking nuts. Oh yeah. Wow. Thank you for telling me that fact, man. That really, wow. That's amazing. That's pretty sweet. Wow. That's pretty sweet. That's the kind of thing that, yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's great. Very cool. What's your final puzzle piece here? Yes. Let's, I got, let's, I got uh, one last one and it's not a movie. I'm ready. It is something that I was mm-hmm. reminded of during the concert sequences, uh, in the way okay. that, uh, Bradley Cooper directed it. And I guess, uh, Matthew Libatique was the, uh, cinematographer. Um, mm-hmm. which I just looked him up. He's actually done a lot of really good. He did Mother, which I'm a huge fan of Mother. He did a bunch of uh, Aronofsky movies. Um, but anyway, the way that they shot a lot of the concert scenes with that like really high energy and like with the camera right up in his face and projecting back on the back screen and with like a lot of the uh, those lens flares and light leaks coming out of nowhere um, reminded me of Nine Inch Nails 2017 I Can't Seem to Wake Up Tour. Um, I see Nine Inch Nails almost every time they go on tour. I'm a big fan of them. And um, you and my sister both. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah. I mean that that was. Now I'm sure it may have been done somewhere before shooting in that particular style, but that's the first time I saw it. Um, and it, it had a very similar style to that. With, with like like I said, like with, with not only was there a guy up on stage like shooting right into the performer's faces and projecting it behind them. But with a lot of like those lens flares and the light, like leaking into the shots and like just really fast Mm. movement and just high, high energy. And I mean, really when, when that movie starts and we talked about a little bit earlier, but um, I think the song's called uh, red eye. Maybe Um, it's that opening song that, that he's performing. Um, I mean, that is such a high energy performance. And then of mm-hmm. course, also shallow when they're performing shallow, um, always remember me this way. Those performances are shot in such an awesome way. I made a, a joke in the, uh, the piecing it together group the other day about how Bradley Cooper could, uh, have a second career doing IMAX concert films. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that it's like, uh, it, it just looks awesome the way that they, uh, yeah. Cause what is that, that to what well, well, what is that you know to to visually articulate the godlike omnipresence of music yeah. you know what i mean like um like yeah that they really pull that off especially in the uh always remember us this way oh, yeah. sequence i found very effective going from a close up on her and dollying across the stage to him in the band yeah. with her head gigantic behind them yeah 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, With lens flares happening as she, as she screams and points at him, the part of me that's you will never die. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, you know, and, and again, making it that godlike omnipresence when she says that, like, maybe that's the decision where he knew that like, if I died, she lives on, you know, and that's, what's important. This conversation, this conversation is making me want to go catch it one more time in IMAX before it leaves. Um, <laughs> oh God. Yeah. I've got the A-list, so I'll see it a couple more times. Yeah, you know? I think you I come might out to LA. It. We'll watch it together. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Um, all right. So that's the, that's the end of our puzzle pieces. So I'm going to do the, uh, finished puzzle here. Um, that's all the movies that we discussed and things that we discussed. That includes opening night, crazy heart, the wrestler walk the line, lady Gaga's career, as well as her 2011 VMA performance. Once, Country Strong and Nine Inch Nails. I can't seem to wake up. 2017 tour. Um, yeah. So that is our <laughs> list of influences that we came up with. And uh, mm. overall, um, I you know I think it's pretty clear we both love this movie. Um, you have any other uh, you know closing thoughts about it that you wanted to mention or anything? Yeah, um, I'll say that. Um... Being a filmmaker out here um, and trying to, I, I'm a filmmaker because I love movies. It was Batman and Dogma that made me want to be a filmmaker. You know nice. what I mean? So like, um, so, you know, you come out here and you try to make it and then you start learning why people don't. And it doesn't have anything to do necessarily, like you said, with talent. This is, there's a, there's a real um, inhuman kind of quality to the way that this industry has to function to survive. Mm. And, um, and it breaks down that humanity in you. And when you're, when you have that empathy, when you have that humanity, and that's what you want to celebrate with your art, it is hard to break through and to see an A-list film with a big budget and wide release and lots of promotion to see a film like that, um, embody all of those qualities and to articulate them so well and meaningfully. And like, it was, it was vital to my survival to see a film like this. And I'm very appreciative of it. Um, I'm appreciative that a movie can, you know, as cynical as I can be, can, you know, stimulate me in that way. Like, and also speak to like my mother, like a couple of weeks ago I was at work and my mother suddenly, you know, at 11 o'clock at night texts me fuck with like eight U's and my coworkers <laughs> like, what's wrong. And I was like, I think she just saw a star is born. And I call him like, what's wrong. She goes, I just saw a star is nice. born with your grandmother. We loved it. <laughs> you know? Um, to me, that's what it's all about. And I think it's beautiful that that is fully in the philosophy of Lady Gaga. Um, after watching her documentary and hearing the stories about from, you know, my engineering friend who like has worked with her, you know, production team, um, she comes up against a lot. And I actually didn't like the documentary because I felt like it wasn't giving her time to heal. I felt like it was just pounding her even further into the ground. <laughs> like when it's like she did the Super Bowl, isn't that great? I'm like, no, she's unwell and she needs to heal. Right, right. Um, I was, it was wonderful to see this film and I've got to imagine that it was very cathartic for her that does not at all damn the system does not at all condescend to the decisions like that others uh, influence in us. You know, it's a movie that took responsibility for who we are and persevered through finding, you know, she perseveres through finding her identity. Right. And, um, that's something we're all struggling with. That's why films like sorry to bother you and you know, are coming out right now. It's, it's people struggling to find their identity and to stand strong. And I'm glad that this movie exists um, to help. 
I do wish the first minute and a half were better. I don't want to be totally like, it's perfect. The first minute and a half are pretty weak. <laughs> like him taking pills on the side of the stage while downing it with alcohol, I thought was a little on the nose. And then him like, they park right in front of a bunch of billboard with a bunch of nooses. And I'm like, okay. Oh, I didn't notice that. You know? And then, <laughs> yeah. And then like, and then like her first line when she's on the phone in the bathroom, she's like, Roger, yes. I, I know you're a great lawyer, but you know, it's like, I don't need that kind of like bullshit exposition, you know, <laughs> but once that title card pops up about a minute and a half into the movie, we're smooth sailing from there. So, <laughs> oh, and oh, uh, one little shout out to Andrew Dice Clay. I was, I was is, about to say the same thing. We didn't uh, talk about Andrew Dice Clay at all. <laughs> he's, you know, it's so funny. People who know me out here, he is like my hero and has been for many a year. And I got the opportunity to meet him a few years back. And just a quick hello. I went to a show that his son was actually had invited me to, and he was just there. It was very cool. And uh, I told him that night that I want to work with him one day. And this is like five years ago mm -hmm. or three years ago. And um, I posted that picture online. I don't take pictures of celebrities very often, but I did this. Anyways, when he got cast in this, my friends were joking. They're like, who the hell else in this world would think to pair Andrew Dice Clay and Lady fucking Gaga right. other than you? And I was like, I know, weird, you know. And then a couple weeks ago, I was looking at that old photo. And in that photo that I took with Andrew Dice Clay, I'm wearing a Lady Gaga t-shirt. Nice. Um, so I'm pretty sure the casting director saw oh, that. Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, you, You're welcome, world. Yeah, I, I'd like to personally <laughs> thank you, Joe, for uh, making this movie come together the way that it did. <laughs> no problem, no problem. That's secretly why I'm such a champion of it. Yeah. It's all because of me. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, no, he, he, was, he was great in it. Uh, it was, he was hilarious. Perfect uh, performance. There's not a weak performance in it. Yeah, there. it really is. And he, all the small characters, too. I mean, it, it was great. Um, what, one last thing I was going to mention before we wrap up, um, and just kind of half-jokingly, but um, the song uh, Digging My Grave, which... Uh, he's performing at Soundcheck before we meet his brother for the first time. Um, I'm almost mm. certain that is the song that Tenacious D heard and then wrote tribute about. Because um, <laughs> it's the exact same chord progression. It's the same thing. Wow. And it sounds kind of wow. like that song, you know? It's like... <laughs> Funny that neither one of us used that as our puzzle piece. Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. That could have been a know? good one. That could have been good. Let's add it to the list last second here. I, I like mm -hmm. it. I like Absolutely. It. Might as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's a movie about making deals with the devil to get into the music industry. There you go. It, you know? it works. Why not? It man? works. <laughs> well, Joe, I want to thank you... Uh, for being here um before we get into the final plugs just wanted to ask you if you uh have anything you've watched or listened to or read lately that you want to recommend yes absolutely um it's a film that i saw recently and it ties into what i was saying about um the commodification of of the important social movement of uh uh, minorities in film. Uh, this year, we've been given movies like Black Klansmen and uh, The Hate You Give and things like And I just, I felt like they've all, um, personally, I felt like they've all fallen kind of flat. I didn't really think that they all felt like commercializations. But I saw a film the other night from 1968 called Uptight, which is um, a remake of the John Ford film, The Informer. And it was uh, written, co-written by Ruby D. And it is, um, it is an almost entirely black film that you can count on your hand the number of white characters. And it is a film about um, a group of uh, black radicalists weaponizing after the assassination of Martin Luther King. Hmm. Um, and it is, uh, it is so thought provoking and very clearly explains um, 
the 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 reason why the black community specifically um, has taken up like is fighting for its uh, for itself for its place and the violence that's been uh, inflicted upon them and it, it was one of the most incredibly resonant I, I couldn't it mowed me over it's been about a week since I've seen it and I sincerely think it might be the best film I've ever seen wow um it is easily the best film I've seen about racial uh race relations and racial tensions in this country um uh that and Spike Lee's do the right thing I think are two of the most profoundly impactful films on this subject matter and I think that uh uptight outdoes do the right thing by a mile beautiful so, that sounds um, amazing it, it's available now on it, yeah, it, you definitely, definitely seek it out. It's available on Olive uh, Olive Films, I believe, just released the Blu-ray for it. Um, it the whole thing is available to watch on YouTube. Okay. Um, so is Opening Night, and for free. Like, you can just, like, type in, you know, Uptight 1968. Uh, there it is, the whole Sweet. thing. Um, same thing with Opening Night, the uh, Criterion release, the Cassavetes film. But Very nice. Yeah, Uptight. I'm glad. Thank you for giving me a chance to speak publicly about it because, it, you know, Ever since seeing it, I've all I've wanted to do is tell people you, you you've got to see this film. Nice. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I, it sounds really amazing. Um, mm -hmm. Well, right on, um, Joe. Where can people find out more about you and uh, what do you what do you got coming up? Anything you want to plug? <laughs> oh, it's so funny because, like, you know, Christina, my my partner in crime, she's gonna hate me for this because we don't have like a website or anything like that. You can just find me on Facebook, sure. you know, Joe Black. You know, find me through the group. Um, I, I'm willing. I have all my stuff is private linked uh, for right now, but I'm willing. I'm very happy to share with anybody who acquires anything that they want. Um, my company is Blue Means Pregnant Films. You can find that on Facebook as well. Um, it has its own group. That might be easier. Yeah, Blue Means Pregnant Films. Um, yeah. Um, again, I'm happy to share anything and everything with you. So just hit me up. Let me know. Beautiful. Well, and I I really want to say thank you for letting me uh, talk about this. You know, I. I I'm, it's actually hard for me to like meet new people and articulate and things like that. So I appreciate you bearing with me. And, like, you know, <laughs> well, no, it was great. It was great. I'm really glad, uh, really glad to have you here. And, you know, I, I'm glad we shared the, uh, uh, enthusiasm about this movie. Cause, um, and it, it's awesome that you're uh, such a big Gaga fan. You had a lot of great stories that had to do with that as well. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, say love you. Next time there, it, we'll make it a tradition. Every lady Gaga movie, yes. you know, come i'll come on here with you and we'll, we'll we'll chat it up who knows maybe by then you know she and i'll be best friends um perfect you know <laughs> i used to joke she would be my, my my wife you know and then when she got engaged that one time everybody called me and be like oh oh there you girl went with someone else i said please first is the worst and second is the best oh, thank you very much there you go <laughs> awesome well thanks again for being here and uh we'll do it again another time thank you man A woman hates Christmas. After she loses her corporate job, she's forced to go back to the small town where she came from, where she helps her parents save their failing Christmas tree business. While she's there, she runs into her ex-boyfriend, who she dumped a decade ago to move to the big city, and they fall in love. And she learns the meaning of Christmas. Yes, another Hallmark movie. A lifetime of Hallmark, where three guys talk about movies on the Hallmark and Lifetime channel and try to make sense of them. Find us anywhere where you can download podcasts. 
You know, it just occurred to me that going from our first episode of the year, Dry Blood, directly to A Star is Born is quite a jarring uh, uh, trajectory there. Is that the right word? I don't know. But uh, both great movies, and uh, yeah, I mean, A Star is Born... I mean, they really knocked it out of the park with this movie. Um, I did not expect to like it as much as I did, but I really did love this movie. I actually saw it uh, twice, and I might try to squeeze in one last uh, Dolby screening before it really leaves theaters for good. Um, It's that good. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed A Star is Born, and I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Joe Black, and thank you, Joe Black, for being on the show. Like I said at the beginning, I met Joe in the Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group. I hope you are in the Piecing It Together discussion group, and I hope you join us for an episode one day. If you're listening, I'd love to have you, so get in touch, and of course, follow us on social media at PiecingPod, subscribe to the show on your podcast app of choice. And rate and review us on iTunes. Five stars would be amazing. And uh, I guess that's it for today. Next week, we'll be back with another slightly older movie that is also uh, was just released on Blu-ray and VOD, and that is Halloween. Uh, we recorded that one also after it had already been in theaters for a few weeks, and we figured, ah, let's just save this one for the uh, home release. And so we got that one coming up, but then uh, we're going to record a whole bunch of new episodes, some of these new 2019 movies. There are a lot of movies for us to cover, so we will be back with a whole bunch of new episodes coming up here soon. So let's close out this show with a piece of my music, as we always do. And this is a uh, song that I actually have a really cool music video concept for, that the video actually reminds me a lot of something Lady Gaga would do, so that's why I figured I'd play this one. This is a song called Invisible, and it's off my most recent album, A Different Kind of Dream. And will the music video ever happen? I do not know, but let's hope so. I would love to make it happen one of these days.
and all points west.